I've already said it, but it's so exciting to be in this place. I think I'm really pleased that it doesn't feel too big for us. It's bigger, we've got more space, we've put out more chairs than we've, I think we've ever put out, um, but we can space ourselves out a little bit. We can fill this place up. Uh, we might have a word about the heating because it is a little bit chilly, but we're also getting into spring and summer, so maybe we don't have to worry about it until the autumn. But I think people know we've been looking to move away from Kingsdown for quite a while now. Um, it was a brilliant place for us early on in the days that we started gathering in public, but there were problems that we talked about a few weeks ago. I'm not going to belabor it now. And it's taken us 18 months, 21 months to find this spot. But do you know what? It wouldn't have been right before this time. You can feel sometimes, I think you know this, you can feel the frustration of something before it's actually God's time to give you the answer. Because there's a test of faithfulness and a test of discipleship. Are you going to trust him even in that frustration? It tried me at times, <laughs> but I am so, so happy to be here. After a long search with many wrong turns and sandals, we found a place that we think is going to work for us for the foreseeable. One of the things I love, you can see houses there. We are in the middle of a community. And actually, we're kind of in the middle of the same community that we've been in just one mile up the road. It is all part of what is considered Stratton. We, it's just the right size. We can grow in this space. We can move those chairs a little bit closer together. We can move the rows a little bit closer together. We have got space, I think, for the next three to five, if not longer, years of growth in this place. Unless God does something amazing and we really, really enter into a period of revival, I can see this suiting us well for a good period of time. Um, that water there in the coffee pot hasn't been filled up from the toilet sink. Uh, I don't know if you saw, but the sign out there, there is a sign saying adults' toilets, kids' toilets. That's there. I, can you hear the kids right now? Because they have got a fantastic room just there. I can see it from where I am, but it's down a corridor. And so there's that little bit of insulation, which given that I'm not amplified over the speakers yet, um, means that I'm not trying to shout over it but they're being looked after and being cared for. This is a good space for us. But why are we here? What's the purpose of moving to Grange Junior School? I actually come to mention it. Why are we even here on a Sunday morning when most of the rest of Swindon is enjoying a lazy Sunday morning lie-in? Why? What does the future hold for us in this spot? I want to give a bit of a, a view on that this morning. And I want to start by saying, God loves process and growth. Do you know that? We don't. We really don't. We, ever since the microwave, we want our dinner like that. Yeah? If I have to put some sort of um, slow cook thing in the slow cooker and it takes all day, it's awful because you can smell it and it starts to fill the house with the aroma, but it still isn't ready yet because you've got another four hours. Or I can get a, a meal and pop it in the microwave and it's done in five minutes. But that microwave meal is not good for us. 
It's full of preservatives. It's full of rubbish and gunk that is not healthy. God loves process and growth. You can see it in the creation story, Genesis 1. There are seven days, six days, and then the day of rest that God creates in. Now, he is the God of all power. He absolutely, if he could have done, or if he wanted to, he could have done it like that. And the whole creation just forms. He didn't do it. He did it over six days. And it was a step-by-step logical process. He planted a garden in Eden with two humans and told them to fill and multiply the earth. He could have created the earth full of humans, but he didn't. He had a plan and he had a process. You see it repeated again with Abraham when he's choosing a people for himself. I think Moses himself says, you could make people out of the rocks, but don't. Grow the people that you have called. You can see this with Jesus. He said, unless a grain of wheat falls, goes into the ground and dies, it remains but a single grain. But if it goes down, it comes up and yields multiple grain. He's talking about his death and his resurrection leading to you and me receiving his life. Parables of the kingdom show that God starts something small, like a mustard seed. He grows it so that it becomes a tree that reaches up into the sky that then has a global impact where the birds of the air come and nest in its branches. And Paul talks about a similar dynamic in 1 Corinthians 3. 1 Corinthians 3, Paul says this, I, Paul, planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So then neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. So he's talking about planting Corinth. He came and planted. He put the seed in the ground and he laid that foundation as he talks about it in a couple of verses time. And then along comes Apollos and he waters it. And there is this process, particularly in planting Corinth, Paul is talking about, but you could repeat it for any other church that Paul planted or any other apostle in the New Testament planted. Someone comes along, it starts small, and then God takes it on a process that grows it. In this chapter, Paul does go on to talk a little bit more about the dynamics and the process of planting, building, and growing the church. But do you know what he emphasizes? It's not the workers. It's God. It's the sovereignty and provision of God who gives the growth. And this is our story. This is the story of Trinity Life Church. We are sat in this room because God started small. There was one family. And then when we moved here, there were two families. There was another family already here in Swindon. And then it went up to three as the Peacocks courageously signed on to leave Bristol, leave everything behind that they'd known for the last 10, 15, 20 years and come and move and be part of this thing that isn't really, at the time they were thinking about moving, didn't really exist. It was still a dream and a hope. Then we were up to four families, then to six, to eight, to roughly sort of 12, 13, 14 different households now represented in Trinity Life Church. And he's led us step by step through lockdowns to emerging, forming and sharing out ministry and the stuff that happens with each person taking their part. Let me tell you, if we moving into this space 
have relied solely upon my efforts, we wouldn't be here. We wouldn't. We've got the team that works with me to kind of guide Trinity Life Church through this phase that we're in. Phil and Becky, Eddie, Brenda, and La Luna. And we have worked together to find the right place, to get the right gear. We've had to buy new PA equipment. Uh, we've had to research what's needed. We've had to get everything pat tested. Eddie organized that for us. Bronwyn's come with her drum kit. We have all taken part in moving here. That is something amazing to me that God has done. God has given the growth. I remarked to someone this week that I have been humbled by each and every person who has come to be part of Trinity Life Church. Because do you know what? It hasn't been as a result of any amazing strategy on my part. It really hasn't. An awful lot of you didn't actually first hear about us because of anything I did other than moving here. God has brought each and every one of you and pulled us together to be Trinity Life Church. What he's done, he's planted and grown a sapling. He's been watching over it. He's been using lots of different people to water and nurture it. And now he's taken us from that incubator we were in and he's planting us out like that guy is. He's planting us out in a public space so that we can start digging our roots even deeper and grow up into him together. One family to two to three to four to six to eight to 12 to 14 households as it is right now. Who believes God is finished? God isn't finished. <laughs> Sorry, I, I put that slightly sneakily. God isn't done with us yet. But what are we here for? What is he building? Well, what's in a name? Naming something's a bit tricky. It really is. Naming something, I always struggle with, whether it's a product, whether it's a child, whether it's a company, whether it's a church. You might be more used to more traditional names like St. Mary's or St. John the Baptist or Christ Church or Smallsville Baptist Church or Newtown Methodist Church. Or maybe if you're used to newer churches like us, you might be used to names that sound a bit less religious like Hope Church or Life Church or River Church. Um, the church that we were launched out of was called Gateway Church and now is called Mosaic Church. Well, our name... Trinity Life Church breaks down into two parts. First of all, there's Trinity, which refers to God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And that reflects our desire to be a God-centered church. Amen? Amen? We want to be a church that knows him and his love for us so that we can love him and walk with him in return. But what do we mean when we say God? Most people think of God, they think of one person, maybe a cold, austere, crotchety old man, looking down, going, oi, no, 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 stop it. Or maybe a warmer, kinder, grandfatherly sort of man. Either way, God is alone in his godness. That is not the God we believe in. We believe, together with the last 2,000 years of church history, that God is in and of himself a rich community of three persons, all made up of the same stuff. Theologians call it essence. 
but its essence just means stuff. The Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are all fully God, and he has always been this way, from eternity past into eternity future. This is our God. There was never a time when the Father was on his own. It was always the Father with the Son, with the Holy Spirit. There will never be a time that the Father or the Son or the Spirit is on his own. They have always existed and always been together since before God created the world. And this is tricky to understand. And the usual objection that people come up with is, hang on a minute, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. One plus one plus one, that's three. Don't you know basic maths? Actually, the way I like to think of it is one times one times one. God is super personal, as C.S. Lewis talks about it. He is more personal than we are in such a way that we can only think of it as like 3D personality when we're quite thin and like a 2D personality. It's tricky to understand. It's even trickier to explain. But actually, do you know what? I don't think that's a problem. It would be a pretty rum deal if we could explain God in 30 seconds flat, wouldn't it? Other faiths can. Other faiths can say, well, this is what God is like. There's no mystery. There's no, no sense of, do you know what? God is awesome and amazing and beyond our understanding, which I feel like God should be. Because the Trinity isn't really meant to be explained, it's meant to be experienced. Which brings us to the next part of our name, Trinity Life. And life is the purpose behind creation. You see, God cares about life. Do you know that? He, Trinity was so full of life that he created the universe so that there would be even more life that he could share himself with. That is why we are here. That is why there is something rather than nothing, because God was so full of life and love within himself, he wanted something to love on and to share his life with. His purpose was that we would live with him, that we would live with each other, and that we would live with purpose. Now, we summarize in this church, we have historically summarized that purpose in five statements. Can anyone remember from the early days what those five statements are? It's a little bit harsh because I haven't actually talked about this in a year or two. Can anyone remember five statements all beginning with life? It's a good job I'm doing this this morning then, isn't it? <laughs> I figured that maybe we'd let it slip a little bit. We talk about life with God, and that covers three of the statements. So we talk about life with a good father. Before he is anything, God is a good father. Amen. With mothering tendencies, if you listen to Isaiah and Jesus himself. God is not male. God is God. Yes? So, yes, God is father. But he talks about, in Isaiah 55, can a mother forget a nursing a child at her breast? Jesus says, I long to gather you together like a chick with her hens, or like a mother hen with her chicks. Get it the right way around, John. <laughs> so yes, God is father, but there are mothering tendencies. Mothers mirror and reflect something of the, the goodness of God as well. 
but he is supremely revealed in fatherly terms. He is generous. He is giving. He is loving. And the fact that God is a good father explains all the good and beautiful things that we see in the world around us. This this, sorry, next word is Bible. This world is full of good things, is it not? The world is full of good things. It's full of with a load of rubbish as well, and that's our fault. But God made this creation good. It is good that food tastes good. It is good that there exists love and fellowship. It is good that we are creative and have formed literature and art. It, can it be misused? Yes, 100%. But when it is dedicated to the glory of God, like Phil and Bronwyn did this morning, using their musical gifts and using it to lift up his name, that's good. God made this world good. The Bible talks about how we have been made in his image. That could mean a few different things, but the key thing I think it means is that we're made like him so that we can know him. If we were altogether unlike God, we couldn't know him, but he has made us like him so that we can know him. His intention was for us to be his sons and daughters under his care and provision. But there was a problem. We chose to go our own way, didn't we? Adam and Eve, and each of us in our own ways, have chosen ourselves rather than God. And that was a problem because that, I get your hesitance, Eddie, there is bad stuff in the world. But none of that came from the hand of God. It is us turning to our own way, turning in rebellion, that introduced all of the bad stuff that we see. Supremely, it introduced death. If life is a big deal to God, death is an almighty offence and affront to the God of life. It only came about because we rebelled. None of the things that bring us grief, pain or suffering were God's ideas or God's good intention for us. Can he redeem it? Amen, hallelujah, he can redeem it. But none of it was his intention. So we ended up isolated from God, but as a good parent, God's desire was to bring us back to him. His love for us led him to give yet again, although he gave us everything in the world, he gave again by sending his son, Jesus, to earth 2,000 years ago. He came to die for us undoing death from the inside out. He came to forgive us, paying down the debt of all our sin and wrongdoing, taking it upon himself on the cross. He came to give us the life that we desperately need. And he came to call us back to the Father who never, ever, ever stopped loving us. He didn't and he never will. And that leads us to the second statement, life in the Son. See, the life we now live because we have put our trust in Jesus, is not live focused on towing the line or doing our best to behave. Don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm not saying that we can just do whatever the heck we want. But if we are so focused on not stepping wrong or making a mistake or getting some element of our life in perfect order, if that is our focus, 
we're going to miss it because that isn't what we're called to do. The focus of our lives is what? Worship Jesus. The focus of our life is Jesus himself. In him, we know that the author has walked onto the stage of human history. In him, we see God as he really is, not as religion or politics or humanities have led us to believe. And how did he come? He came healing, loving, laughing, and teaching. All the people, at least all the non-religious people, loved him. Religious people were a little bit different. They were used to being in control and acting as God's gatekeepers and saying, you need to do this and this and this and this. And Jesus comes saying, nah, they're all man-made rules. And actually, you're saying you can divorce. That wasn't God's good, best good intention for you. That was something God allowed because of the hardness of Moses' heart. And you're saying that you can call someone a fool as long as you don't hit them or anything like that. No, even if you call them a fool, you are in danger because there is hate in your heart. Jesus blew it all up. All of the man-made stuff that Israel built up around the law, Jesus said, no, that isn't how it is. If we believe something about God, but we can't see it in Jesus... I want to suggest that you think again about whether it's really true of God. Now, don't throw it out because it might be that you've not seen that part of Jesus yet. But Jesus shows us who God is like. Amen? He is the image of the invisible God. In the fullness, in him dwells all the fullness of deity. In him, we have been graced forgiven, healed, and raised to new life. See, when we place our trust in him, when we say to him, thank you for your death on the cross, I want to follow you, he joins himself to us in an amazing way. This is Paul's favourite term for Christians. It isn't believers. It isn't necessarily even followers. It is those who are in Christ. And in him, we have been graced, forgiven, healed, and raised to new life. It's a bit like a marriage. When it's a bit different these days, the laws have shifted. But back in the old days, when you got married, you took on the debt of that, the person you're marrying or the riches of the person you were marrying. It's a, it is a shame. It is a shame it's changed. I actually, I think it's a part of the weakening of marriage in our society that it's changed. The whole point of marriage is that you take two people, you join them together, and they are one for life. All the benefits, all the deficits. When we were united to Jesus, he took on our debt and he sorted it out. When we were united to Jesus, we took on his riches and he shares it with us. Isn't this amazing? I'm hit by it again. In him, we have the unsearchable riches of Christ. There's no end to them. This is why he is our focus. 
the most amazing thing of all, once we've said, yes, I'm following Jesus, do you know how God sees you? Like his son, perfect and righteous, just like he is. This is good news, people. This is what people out there need to hear. They need to know it's not about just behaving, but it's about finding life in him. And that then, once you're united with him, through all of life's trials, we are now hidden and secure in him. We are. He loves us and he walks with us through the ups and downs of life. That leads us on to the third statement. Life by the Spirit. Because you see, we've not been left to live in our own strength. We haven't. God gives us the Holy Spirit, his own spirit, to live where? Here. There. Get your finger. Everyone get your finger up. Point it at you. If you have been baptised in the Holy Spirit, if you have put your faith in Jesus Christ, that is where the Holy Spirit lives. Take your finger Point it at someone else in the room. You are where the Holy Spirit lives right now. Amen? Amen? Mind-blowing. We can have the power we need to live each day. I think we forget it sometimes. In the stresses and the strains and the, the task list that never seems to get any shorter but only gets longer, we think, ah! This is where God lives. We have the power to live each day. We can experience his closeness. Did you know that? Every single day. Not because you merit it, but because Jesus merited it on your behalf. It does not depend upon your behavior or your performance. As we were singing today, I hope you felt that closeness of God as we worshiped. I did. We are empowered by the Holy Spirit to do things that only God can do. He teaches and leads us day by day. He works in our hearts to reshape the way we see the world. He helps us understand the Bible. He speaks and leads us where God wants us to go. He works in our hearts to make us want the things that God wants for us. Maybe you're carrying a fear that one day God will ask you to do something you don't want to do. That's not the deal. The deal is God is at work within you to do his perfect, pleasing will. He is at work within you both to will, to want to do it, and to do it. And that is by the Holy Spirit. And by the Holy Spirit, we live a naturally supernatural life. We are able to do the things that Jesus did because we have the same spirit living in us. We can pray for people and see them healed. We can hear the voice of our father pointing out a secret of someone's heart like he did the woman at the well and unlock a situation that only God could have unlocked. I've said it before, Eddie came into this family of God because he went to a church where people were listening to God, and on one morning, his first morning in church, three or four people revealed things about his life that only God could have known. 
and he's never been the same since. You've never been the same since. This is what God can do in your life and through you because the Holy Spirit is in you. Do you believe it? So we have a life with God that is a life with a good father in the son by the spirit. We believe that Trinity Life Church is supposed to model and put all of this on display for the world to see. The next statement down is life together. We often hear people say things like, you plus God is a majority. And I don't know why I did that in a dodgy American accent. It feels like the sort of thing an American preacher would say. And yes, it's true. God plus Daniel was a majority over the rulers and the principalities of Babylon. But that doesn't mean that's how God intended us to live. We are privileged to be more than just individuals following Jesus because God gives us to one another. God has given me to you and you to me. We're made part of his family. We're not just servants. We're not just workers. We're not just colleagues here in this church. We are brothers and sisters of each other. That is what God has done. From all of these different backgrounds we come from, we are family. When we gather, we gather around the inspired, authoritative scripture, the word of God. But we also gather in the power of the Holy Spirit. We believe that being together means that we are a word church and a spirit church. We should not divide what God has joined together. Amen? In Christ, we are one church. It would be a bit boring if we were all the same, wouldn't it? There's a, I think, a Groove Armada song. If everybody looked the same, we'd get tired of looking at each other. God has made us all beautifully different. He's given us all different backgrounds. And we are held together in him. We are one family made up of all generations, all family situations, all tribes, languages, and nations. How many nations are in this room right now? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Eight different nations in this room right now, if I've not miscounted. I love that God is building an international family. We are not an English church. I don't want an English church. I want a kingdom of God church where we each bring the parts of our culture and our background that will put Jesus on display. Because Jesus isn't English. I know we have this blonde haired, blue eyed Jesus in some really dodgy artwork from the past. He wasn't. He was Israeli, he was Jewish, but actually as the king of all the world, it takes all of the cultures of the world. That's why in Revelation, we see a people of every tribe, tongue and nation coming together, worshiping the lamb. So we are given a life together, beautiful in our diversity, strengthened by our differences. Then the fifth one, life on mission. The church exists for more than just itself. 
We're not just a holy huddle. We don't just get together and make, our feel, make each other feel better about ourselves because no one else believes what we believe. No, God has given us a mission to share the good news about our King Jesus, who came to put right all that is broken in the world, who gives us everything we've just been talking about and offers it to them. There is nothing special about John Sidnell that means I merit it more than whoever lives in that house over there. Nothing whatsoever. That gospel invitation, that call to put their faith and trust in Jesus and come to life in him belongs to everyone. We are supposed to go to everyone around the world. As we gather, we provide a place where people can come and see God at work in us, welcoming all. And as we're scattered back into the world, we live as witnesses so that others may find life and hope in him. Amen? Amen. That's the deal. That is why we're doing it. So these five statements, for me, sum up Trinity Life Church. It's not necessarily what we're going to use all the time. One of the things that we're going to be going through as a team is working out what values we we want to articulate um, to kind of let people know what sort of church we are. But life with a good father, life in the sun, life by the spirit, life together, life on mission. Now, I said something like that in the very first gathering of Trinity Life Church in my back garden. There was that, the interesting title I've given it today is New Place, New Phase, Same Mission. The mission hasn't changed. The mission for Trinity Life Church is the same. So what are we hoping to happen out of moving here? Well, I want us, I'm hoping that we are now more discoverable. Brendan and Shan, did you find it easier to find us here than you ever did the first time in Kingsdown? Come on, yes. We can now tell people that we are here and people will be able to find us. And that means that we can welcome in more people of all ages, all backgrounds, all nationalities. I want to see more families. I want to see more couples, both young and starting out and older with a wealth of wisdom to offer. I want to see more single people. We've got two or three or four single people. I want to see more single people finding their place of belonging in the people of God. I want to see more nations represented. We've got eight nations in this room right now. I want to see more because it needs more. Swindon has... 30, 40, 50, 60 nations represented. Stratton, this part of Swindon that we're in right now, probably has 10, 20, if you counted every house in the region. I want to see more nations. There are three particular types of people I believe God wants us to welcome in. First of all, believers without a church home. Maybe they've just moved to the area. Maybe they, for whatever reason, moved on from a church they were part of. That is where the vast majority of people who have come and joined us have come from. I'm not aware that we've, for anyone who are going to another church, that they were happy. And I don't want to tempt people away from other churches. But if a believer finds himself without a church home, maybe it's because they're supposed to be here. I want to see people seeking God who need the good news of Jesus Christ. And I believe that there are people who used to believe and burn brightly for Jesus, but for whatever reason backed off, who God wants to draw in and reignite. Amen. 
with passion for his son. My other hope for the move is that we are going to share the gospel and see those people come to faith in new life. I want people to hear about God's great love for them. I want them to believe it and place their trust in Jesus Christ for salvation and new life. Amen. We want to see those people become disciples and followers of him, learning the Jesus way of life. And we want to see those people baptised in water, filled with the Holy Spirit and released to be all that God wants them to be. Amen? That's one of my hopes for being here. I also want to bed into this community and beyond. See, God has clearly called us to focus on the northeast of Swindon. One of the things, one of the prophetic words we were given in the early days when we were still living Andover talked about focus on the northeast. And seeing as we were already looking at houses in Stratton, that felt like a nice confirmation. So God has given us this patch. I love that we're in a building surrounded by homes filled with people who need God. And I want to impact people in Stratton, Upper, Lower and St. Margaret. I want to impact people in Colview, in South Marston, in Covingham, in Nyth, in Eldine, in Hayden Wick, in Red Houses, in Abbey Meads, in Tadpole Garden Village, in Penhill, Morden and Pinehurst. And then into the far reaches of West Swindon and beyond. Sometimes feels like a different country. You go across and there's a sign, West Swindon, as if it's a totally different town. But we believe that God is calling us to focus here, but that is not a boundary. That's a focus. I believe that what God does is going to do is going to impact the whole of Swindon and beyond, Dave. Yeah, and the villages, absolutely. Absolutely, especially the new eastern villages that are coming online and the villages that are already off to the east. South Marston is one of them. We've got Shrivenham. We've got a whole bunch of other villages whose names escaped my attention because I didn't write it down. But yes, we absolutely want to impact the villagers as well. We're going to go and take part in community events like Stratton Festival. Stratton Festival is going to happen in that leisure centre next door this year. It was on a field last year and we got blown away and rained off for those of us that were there. But it's going to be inside Grange Leisure Centre. How great is it going to be to say, hey, tomorrow morning we're going to be in the school next door. Why don't you come? I want to bed into this. I want to be part of school fairs, Christmas fairs, community events, just being there and blessing the community. And then we can throw events at Easter and at Christmas and invite them to join us. And my dream in it all is that the knowledge of the glory of the Lord would fill Stratton, the Northeast, the whole of Swindon and beyond. Amen. Amen? That's what we're here for. Now, moving forward together, there are some things we can do. One, we continue to gather to him. We don't just come here to see our friends, although it's lovely to see you. We gather because he is here. And we want to worship him. So we exist for him before all things, to know him, to worship him, and to glorify him. The second thing is to continue to be the body of Christ to remember that we exist for each other, to love and encourage one another, to seek and follow him faithfully. That means each of us has got a place within this church, using our gifts. To, we have different interests, passions, gifts, and ability. It takes the whole body to put the glory of King Jesus on display. Amen? Amen. 
giving our time, talents and resources to see what God is doing grow and advance. And we do this as we gather on Sunday mornings and from house to house throughout the week. We do this as we scatter to our daily lives, but keeping in touch and supporting one another throughout the week. One of my favourite passages of scripture is Ephesians 4. Funnily enough, I'm in a New Frontiers church. Ephesians 4 verse 16 puts it this way. As each part of the body plays its part, the body makes increase of itself. As each of us play our part in the body, then this church is going to grow and the body of Christ is going to grow both numerically and in depth. We're not just about the numbers. We should always be going deeper in him. We're called to be missionaries and live sent. When we leave that door, go through that door and go back to our daily lives, we're not going back to comfort, we're going back to the mission field. I hope you know that. Now, that doesn't mean we're going to go standing on street corners preaching or trying to manufacture opportunities to share our faith, but it does mean going and living faithful to him and being ready to give an answer to anyone who asks. It does also mean spotting the opportunities where God is already at work and just coming up behind it and cooperating with what he is doing. One of the things I believe is that we're called to welcome and provide refuge. Bronwyn had a prophetic word when we announced about moving the building and there's a picture involved. Can everyone see that? Yeah? There is an angel standing above the door of this church with Psalm 16 written on the sword and emblazoned on the um, front of the building saying, in you, I take refuge. And Bronwyn sent this. She said, I feel that God is going to send an angel to guard the doors of the building, that people are going to find safety and refuge in the church. And it may be that they seek refuge in the building, but will then encounter God and then find full and complete refuge in him. I saw Psalm 16 engraved on the sword, and this is a word to be spoken over the people that seek refuge. I also felt that we're entering a time of spiritual battle, that this angel is standing with us. God is calling us to stand up as prayer warriors, that our prayers will become our swords in battle, that we will see the enemy fleeing from those seeking refuge. I believe that is a word from God for us as a church at this, in this season. Even without that, I'd been thinking, do you know what, we need to pray more as a church. But knowing that we're coming into a period of battle, you know, even more, we need to know that we're called to prayer. We can't do it on our own with our own resources. Remember what Paul said, God gave the growth. And if we are going to grow, it's not going to be because of our brilliant efforts or our strategy or anything like that. It is going to be because God gives the growth. So we need to pray. We need to pray that the Lord of the harvest will send workers. Guess who he's going to send? Us. We become the answer to our own prayer. One of the things I'm going to do sometime soon is prepare a prayer guide for this season to help us pray, not as a straight jacket, not as something we have to do every day, praying the same thing, but to inspire your prayers, to guide your prayers in this season that we're in. And then the other thing, the final thing I want to talk about is remember that we are in a, entering a spiritual battle. Any move of God is opposed we have an enemy of our souls. God has an enemy who exalted himself against the knowledge of God. And he doesn't like what we're trying to do. 
I believe that moving into Grange Junior School, in, on the one hand, moving into this place could be a bit of a damp squib. Because we could just settle in and take it easy and not reach out and not take risks or any of that sort of thing. That is not what God is calling us to do. God is calling us to take the gospel to those who need it. And that means there is going to be opposition. And so we need to remember that our warfare is not against flesh and blood. We are going to find people that don't like us. They are not our enemy. The power behind them is our enemy. And the weapons we are being given are what? Powerful. To tear down strongholds and to demolish every argument that exalts itself against knowledge of God. 2 Corinthians 10 verse 5. I think the other thing we need to do is remember that he has given us spiritual armour. How many of you put the spiritual armour on every day? I don't. Do you know what? I think I probably should. Ephesians 6, I'm not going to read it now because I've been speaking for far too long. But the helmet of salvation, the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, the shoes ready to go with the gospel of peace, the shield of faith and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, inspired and enlivened by the Holy Spirit. I think this is a season to put that on each day before we go about our business. Not religiously, not as a bondage. It's not that if you forget one day, you're not protected. That's not what we're talking about because God is still good and we are still complete in Jesus Christ. But I think there is a discipline that the Lord wants us to get into to remember that he has given us everything we need. Amen. I am excited about moving here. I do believe that God is going to draw people in, that we are going to make room for people. We are going to welcome people in and they're going to find refuge in the people of God amidst all the stuff that's going on out there. I've got one more question. You with me? Shall we go for it? Shall we seek what God is going to do through this people that we are all a part of? Phil's going to lead us in some, a couple more worship songs. Uh, I'm going to pray as they get themselves ready so there's no dead air. And also just because it's good to pray and commit ourselves to God. Lord Jesus, I want to thank you for everything you have done in Trinity Life Church up to this point. You have taken us as a seedling. You put us in a place where we can grow into a sapling. And now you've taken us out of that incubator and you're planting us out in public putting us on display so that through us people can see your son Jesus Christ working in our lives working in our midst Lord I pray that you would fill us with passion for the kingdom that you would fill us with passion and joy in the gospel that we would remember all your benefits all the good stuff Lord Jesus that you won for us Bring it to mind, bring it to our hearts, Lord Jesus, so that we carry it with us every single day. And Lord, I pray for many opportunities to speak of your goodness, to share about how wonderful you are, to share about your love and your invitation to all who would believe to find life and hope and peace in Jesus Christ. Send us out, Lord Jesus, today in the power of your spirit. Send us out equipped with the armour of God. Lord Jesus, so that we may see the fruit that you want us to see. 
We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Shall we stand?